Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Welcome to our worship here at Crozet United Methodist Church. I'm Sarah, the pastor here, and we're excited to have you join us. want to begin this morning by giving you just a couple of announcements. If you are looking for our children's activity sheets, you can find them in the link in the text here. And we encourage anyone who's looking for an additional way to kind of dial in and engage with what's going on in worship today to do that. It's for children of all ages, but they're specifically tasked to children in certain age groups. So we encourage you to provide that for your children. Um, and we are really thrilled to share with you an update. If you have been with us through Advent and Christmas, then you might recall that we were taking up an offering for RIP Medical Debt Relief. And this is a nonprofit organization that we were working in conjunction with to buy third-party collection debt so that we could retire it to eliminate it completely for people who were struggling with the immense amount of medical debt that they had accrued through tragedy and through long-term medical care, unplanned health needs. And so we are just so excited to share with you the following thrilling data. We were able to retire over $2.2 million in medical debt. Our mid-sized church was able to do that. Um, and the majority of that offering that we took in, the, the $20,000 that we took in, came in in the uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day worship services. So we were so thrilled to have people join with us to do this. This means that one thousand one hundred and sixty one virginians have had their medical debt eliminated and we have been working this past week with rip medical debt relief they are in the process of compiling the letters that are going to go out to these people to let them know that this debt is gone forever that their chains have been removed and they have been set free and in it it will say that it was made possible and forgiven by Crozet United Methodist Church, and it will have our website. So 1,161 Virginians are about to know our church and our faith. And so we are so excited and grateful for everyone who was a part of that giving. So thank you for that. And we hope that it gives you something to celebrate and bring some hope to you to know that Jesus is still doing wonderful things for people, even in the midst of this new time and some of the struggles we're experiencing. We also want to let you know that as we continue to improve our worship experience here, especially this online digital one, that we are striving to go on to perfection there. Um, and we are still looking for some additional used iPhones. They need to be an iPhone 6S or newer uh, that will run iOS 13 that we can use just as a video camera. And so we did have an offer of one that had a cracked screen. That's fine. We can take those. We just need to be able to use the camera. And so if you have one and you would like to donate that, you too can be part of this ministry here and helping us to reach more people. So if you're interested in that, send us um, a direct message. You can send us an email. You can reply and we will get back to you. So thank you so much. And the last thing I want to share with you is that this Wednesday at 6 p.m. we're going to have a Zoom meeting for our youth. So we're going to do a check-in. We're going to be working on some online programming. And so you can stay tuned to that. We are going to be sending out the link with that, with the password. And so if you have not signed up for our youth emails, you need to go onto our website and do that. 
And that way we can make sure that we get that to you so that uh, if you are a youth or you have a youth in your household that would like to be a part of that, it's never too late to get involved in youth ministry. We hope that you will join us. And so you'll have all of that coming to you this week. And with so many exciting and wonderful things to celebrate, it would be most appropriate for us to open with a song. Our first hymn this morning is number 292, What Wondrous Love Is This? This morning, as we continue our worship, we're going to have a moment of children's time. And I'm excited to share something that we have been working on and something that's actually been inspired from some Zoom conversations I've had with people, especially children in our church. And so I'm going to remind you of who this is. This is our little Jesus. There's a um, six foot one that is currently residing at the parsonage with me. But this is our little one. And this Jesus here uh, is perfect because 
because I can use him for children's time and I've used him for chapel for the preschool, but he's a little lonely. And so one of the things that we've experienced as we've been in our homes is that some of us have found an even deeper appreciation and love for our pets, our dogs, our cats, our, our hamsters, our guinea pigs, our lizards, our snakes, whatever it is that we happen to have, fish. Um, and so one of the things that we've been talking about is how grateful we are not to be alone and to have these wonderful blessings with us. And one of the things that the church does is a blessing of the animals. And this is something that comes to us actually from our Catholic brothers and sisters and the family of Christ. There was a saint named Francis of Assisi, and he was a huge lover of animals. And he started this blessing for animals, and we continue this. And so every year we try to have an event out on our plaza so that people can bring their animals and I lay hands on them and pray over them and bless them. And we're going to do that when we can finally get together again. But as we are waiting for that, it occurred to me that maybe Jesus would like a friend. And so I struggled with what kind of pet to get Jesus. And ultimately, I got Jesus three pets because we're Trinitarians. And so we want to have one for every person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I got them. And then I thought, well, what are their names going to be? And I thought, you can help me name them. So I'm going to introduce them to you. And then I'm going to tell you who we're going to ask to name each one of them. So the first one I'm going to introduce to you is this cat. And this is a cool cat. Uh, it's a black and gray tabby cat with a very posh chain collar on it. And the cat, we're asking all of our children to name. So you can submit your name for this cat. And you can get creative. It could be from the Bible. It could be from the church. It could be anything. Uh, we're expecting some really fun name submissions here. So uh, go wild with it and, and go ahead and make up a name for it. So we're going to put our kitty next to here. So our children are going to get to name the kitty. And then for our other children of the preschool, and I'll be sharing this with them in chapel this week, we have a mini horse. We have a little pony for Jesus. And so they're going to get to, the preschoolers are going to get to name the pony. And if you're one of our kids who comes to church and you're in our preschool, then you can submit names for both of them. But our pony here is gray and white, little Shetland pony with some really nice little furry hooves and everything and some wild hair like Pastor Sarah right now. So we hope that you will enjoy getting to name uh, the cat and maybe even the pony if you're in our preschool. And if you uh, just completed your last year of preschool, you're eligible still to do the pony. And then not to leave out the bigger children of God, all of our youth and adults can help to name this big puppy here. Um, he's kind of a I don't know what he is. He's kind of a bulldog, St. Bernard kind of mix going on here, but he's pretty cool. And you are welcome to submit your names. You can submit them in the comments. You can email them to me. We're going to have some additional videos. Oh, that doesn't look good. That looks like he's messing with the dog. There we go. That looks better, more appropriate. So as we have these, we hope that everyone will take some time and get involved. And feel free to tell me why you picked the name. Let me know if it came from uh, an animal that you had or a fun story or you just think Jesus needs a cat named Cracker Jack, whatever you want to do. Come up with a great name. So my dogs are named after food at home. I don't, you don't necessarily have to name the animals after food. But my beagle is named Macaroon and my chihuahua is named Cholula because she's very feisty and hot sauce. So we hope that you will have some fun. It'll give you a little something to do. And I will have uh, a special little prize for the winner 
of uh, the name that we end up selecting. So we hope that you'll have some fun and engage with us in this. And if you have any questions, you can certainly ask us. But again, the children get to name the kitty, um, and the preschool gets to name the pony, and all of our youth and adults can have a good time naming the dog. So we look forward to Jesus getting to name his new friends that he's been hanging around with in isolation, keeping Jesus busy, um, not only answering our prayers and reminding us that we are loved and forgiven, but also enjoying these creatures that God has made. So we hope that you'll have some fun with that, and we look forward to sharing these with you and updating you. Have fun, and I look forward to talking to you about it again very soon. And so as we move on with our worship service this morning, we are excited to have Ray Dullins with us, and he is going to be singing one of our favorite songs, and I hope that you will enjoy not only the classicness of Amazing Grace, but the contemporary piece of Our Chains Are Gone. Savior has ransomed me. 
We're so grateful to have members of our family of faith who are willing to share their musical gifts that God has given them, and that was an excellent example of just some of the wonderful people that are a part of our church life, and Ray blesses us in our chancel choir at our 11 o'clock traditional service, and so we look forward to having them all back together again, but it was great to hear you, Ray. Thank you so much for being with us. And this morning, we are going to continue our worship series on C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But before we hear our scripture, that is the foundation of our word today, we invite you to take a moment and let us go together to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, there are many things that could trouble us and tie us down and keep us as dwellers in the darkness. But you are the light that shines forth in all circumstances and through every day. We rejoice for the good things that we have learned and the things that you have spoken, not only into our ears and our minds, but into our hearts and the very depths of our spirits. We rejoice that faith is not dead, but very much alive. Just as Christ our Lord and Savior rose on Easter, may we continue to rise each day and experience your goodness and your grace so that we may in turn share that with others. May your word this day inspire us, bind us together with you and one another, and continue to send us out into the world in new and transformative ways to bless and ease burdens, to share love, kindness, and mercy, and to, above all, preach the good news that you are for everyone and that your grace is enough. May it be so, almighty God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I invite you to hear these words from the Apostle Paul and his letter to the Roman Church, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. It has been, um, for me at least, a, a fun journey back into this book, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. And this, while it's the second in the series, this is actually the book that started it all, taking his gift, his talent, and his love of fiction. C.S. Lewis, a incredible Christian, decided to use that gift and interweave it with his faith in order to produce this allegory we know and love as the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And we have looked together at Edmund, who is one of the children in the story that actually becomes the betrayer, kind of the Judas Iscariot of the story. We've looked at the temptation that sin brings to us in the metaphor of the Turkish delight, the the tasty, delectable treat that Edmund wants from the White Witch, the Queen of Narnia. And now today, we're going to take a look at Aslan the Lion. And if you've been kind of following along on our altar, uh, thanks to one of our other church members with a happy talent and a gift for this, uh, Karen Rowlingson has blessed us. We have our little wardrobe, and it leads into Narnia. It's kind of the gateway into there. And today, Aslan is making his appearance. So he's back there. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, what is the deal with Aslan? He comes in halfway through the book, and what, what does he have to do with anything? And Aslan, in this allegory, is the messianic figure. He is the Messiah piece, the character of this story. And he is very much the Christ figure in the story. And you might have caught some of the parallels, for instance, when he shows up. He is there particularly to battle the pain and the suffering that the White Witch and her reign have brought upon the creatures and the people of Narnia. He is also there. He is willing to not only forgive and bring about the reconciliation of Edmund and his other brother and sisters, but he's also willing to sacrifice himself on behalf of Edmund. When the White Witch demands that someone suffer and die for the betrayal and the sins that Edmund has committed, she wants to take Edmund, but Aslan is not willing to let Edmund go. Instead, he willfully and freely chooses to stand in place of Edmund 
and sacrifice himself in death on the stone table. And Christ does this for us. It can be hard as modern-day Christians in 2020 to think that almost 2,000 years ago, a Judean Jew that we don't know and probably couldn't speak to very easily because he didn't speak English and we don't speak Aramaic or Hebrew regularly, would have been willing to do this for us. But the fact is that God came to us in human form in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and God chose to give up God's self God's earthly ministry, God's life in Jesus Christ, in order that every single person could be saved. Saved from our guilt and our suffering, the death that would come from sin. If sin goes unchecked, it will continue to accumulate and build and cause pain and suffering that culminates in death. Not just our death, but death of others who become victims of our pain and suffering that we bring into the world through our sin. And Aslan, as the Christ figure, refuses to let that happen to Edmund. And so in the story, we come to see that the messianic figure, the one who has come to save the people, is in fact the Christ who has come to save all of us. Not just those who want to believe. Peter and Lucy and Susan, they want to engage with Aslan. They come of their own free will to see him. And Edmund has to be rescued. And some of us who grow up in the church might feel a greater kinship to the other three siblings in the story because we were kind of gifted this incredible faith. We were gifted the opportunity to experience Christ as we grew. But there are those of us in the family of faith who didn't have that same experience, and they were given the gift of experiencing radical grace having lived a life apart from the church, and then coming into this gift. That's the, the model that we see in Edmund, that he is the one who did not have the same experience, but yet his experience is so powerful and profound, especially when he meets Aslan. And Aslan's first act with Edmund is to forgive him. They have a private conversation, and I love in the story how when Edmund is returned to his siblings, Aslan says, we've had a talk and you don't need to bring up the past. He has set Edmund free from all of his mistakes and his failures and his sin. And there's no reason to go back and dwell on them. And he's modeling for the siblings exactly what the expectation is for us as Christians, that when we are forgiven, we have to provide that same grace for others, that we don't go back and rehash their sins of the past, that instead we let them be set free as we have been set free. And Aslan reminds us of this. The other thing that I love about C.S. Lewis's incredible mind is that he chose a lion. And if you've ever had the opportunity to encounter a lion, um, I've had one face-to-face -face through plexiglass, not through, not face-to-face -face without a protective barrier. They are incredibly powerful, amazing animals. And I often marvel at how big they are. You know, you see them from afar, you see them on television and movies, and you don't really appreciate how much physical power is in a lion until you are right up on top of one. And then the most incredible thing for me is that other animals respect a male lion. 
They will keep a healthy birth as they walk around. They, even the lionesses are careful not to upset the, the lion that is ruling the pride. And this is something that I have always remembered as a child watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe before I was able to read it. Um, and there was, I grew up in a time when we didn't have cable when I was in preschool. And so I would go to church and I would come home and I would watch PBS and animal shows all day when I came home from church. And so one of the shows that I was watching one time had lions. And in this lion show, they were showing how um, they would the lionesses would go out on the hunt and two of the lionesses got separated from the rest of their pride. And unfortunately, some of their epic enemies in the savannah, the hyenas showed up. And there were over two dozen hyenas that had kind of cornered and run them up on this outcropping of trees, these lionesses. And they, even though they're much larger and more powerful, the sheer numbers of the hyenas kept them at bay up in the trees. And they were just kind of waiting around, and it was kind of a stalemate. And then all of a sudden, the male lion shows up in the regalness of his mane. And even before he can get up on top of the situation, when the hyenas realize he's approaching, they start screaming and they start to run and just flee. And then he starts to pick up speed and run at them. And the, the ferocity, the roar, everything was just so incredible. And I remember sitting there in front of the TV, just shocked at the effect that this lion had. And then the lionesses came down the tree and were like, yeah, he's here now. So you back off. And for us as Christians, I think that we feel that, that when we are saved by God's grace, we feel like we have become part of the pride. We feel like we have been adopted into the family of God, and Jesus Christ is our lion. He will stand up for us. He will protect us. He saves us from outside and within, and we feel this joy at knowing that Jesus has got our back, that he is on our side. And so when we feel our enemies surround us, when we feel doubt and despair, when we feel like life is just closing in on us and we can't even breathe, it's wonderful to know that someone as powerful and profound as Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah, is on our side. And so what does that mean, the Lion of Judah? If you go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, which is usually here, but not right now, the first book of the Bible, Genesis, there is a time where one of the patriarchs, Jacob, who is now going by the name Israel, decides to bless his sons. And in doing that, he looks upon his son Judah, and he says to him, you are like a lion. And as he pr 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 proceeds to give Judah a blessing, what it ends up being is prophetic. The blessings that were for the son become prophecies for the tribes that their names will continue. And so the tribe of Judah that will come out of exile and slavery in Egypt, they come to have this ferocity, this ferociousness. In fact, they will endure longer than any other tribe. They will become the southern kingdom, and from them, something truly incredible will come. In fact, the Messiah whom the messianic figure of Aslan comes from, comes from the tribe of Judah. And if you go into the book of Ezekiel, it will talk about the prophecy that from the lion of Judah and the root of Jesse, this is the family tree of King David, we will have a savior. And this is precisely who Jesus Christ is. He is the one that comes forth from an earthly family. And when God incarnates Jesus, 
that's when something truly spectacular happens. That's when we experience God's grace in a whole different way than we ever have in Scripture. And the lion image continues in Scripture. They were very familiar with lions. In fact, Samson wrestles a lion. We have lions as imagery in some of the crazier depictions in Ezekiel. And of course, lions are very prevalent in the imagery in the book of Revelation. You might also not be aware that all four of the gospel accounts, all of the evangelists for whom they are named, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have images that come from the book of Ezekiel, and one of them is a lion, and the lion with the wings is the symbol for the evangelist Mark and the gospel of Mark. So the lion imagery comes straight from scripture. It's a very powerful image, and the messianic piece of Aslan is to underscore for not only children, but those who have not experienced the glory of Jesus Christ, that there is someone who is powerful, who is to be respected. I think the choice of a lion was brilliant on C.S. Lewis's part because lions are amazing when you see them. They are truly powerful and beautiful, especially a male lion that is in his prime is incredible to see, but they are also terrifying when they open their mouth and you can see the full length of their teeth and you watch them as they hunt and as they are able to overpower any enemy, they are apex predators and no one threatens a male lion. It is incredible to see them. And so you have a healthy respect or as the Bible says, a fear of the Lord. You have this desire to appreciate, but be respectful of the power that you experience there. And that is something that we are encouraged to have not only in the Old Testament, but I think Jesus conjures that image in the New Testament. Jesus is not only a human being, but also fully divine. And while we feel this kindred with Jesus that some of us didn't have the resonation with in the resonance with the, whole, the Holy Spirit or God the Father, with God the Son, we recognize that there is a person in the Godhead that understands what it is to be human. There is someone who knows what it is to have the body grow older, who knows what it is to experience pain, to know what it is to be humiliated and to suffer, and to know what it is to laugh, and to have friends and family, and to bond and to bless. Jesus knows all of these things through these same human vessels, and that's an incredible gift to us. But we don't forget that Jesus is also 100% God, that Jesus is our judge, that Jesus is our jury, that he is able to see into the depths of our being and name and know the things that we won't even utter about ourselves. It's truly amazing to think that all of these are encapsulated into one being, and that is Jesus, our Christ. And so Aslan being a lion is a perfect way to bring together not only the biblical imagery of the lion of Judah and the evangelist Mark, but also to remind us that in the midst of feeling this joy and wanting to be near Jesus as the children want to be near Aslan, they're also terrified, as Mr. Beaver says, if you can stand before him without your knees knocking, you're either braver than most or just plain silly. And so Jesus is the same way. We yearn to see him and to experience him, but the reality for us is that it will be terrifying to stand before the one who knows us like no one else does and who has the power over our eternal life and death. And yet, 
the tension there is that Jesus says, I have not come to condemn you. I have come to save you. And if you want my grace and my forgiveness, if you want my death upon the cross to be yours, it is. It has been ours since before the day of our birth. Those of us who are Christians that are alive on this earth now were given grace before we were even born, before we committed our first sin. And when we recognized that we had broken God's will and God's law and needed forgiveness, it was already there for us. And that's a truly amazing thing. Aslan isn't born and raised in the novel. He has already been in existence. And he comes in and out of the story of Narnia, just as Aslan represents Christ coming in and out of the story of our lives. Sometimes we are so focused upon him, and he seems very tangible and the fuel of our faith. And then sometimes we wander away. One of the founders of Methodism, John Wesley, said that faith is often like a sine wave. And if you've been at home doing homeschooling with children, then you might be reviewing sine waves. But sine waves, of course, have hills and valleys. And sometimes we feel very much at the peak, and sometimes we feel very much at the valley. And our desire over time is to kind of level out that curve and move into a trajectory that leaves us more on the mountaintop experience. But that doesn't mean that we don't have an appreciation for those who are in the low. And as we are continuing in the, this time of isolation and quarantine, as we are wrestling with what our future looks like, not only here in Crozet and in Virginia, but wherever this message reaches you, we want you to know that God is very much with us throughout this entire process. You are not without God because you are in your home. You are not without God because you do have fear of finances or what the future of your job will be. You are not without God because you are struggling with suddenly taking on tasks and roles that were not yours before. It is not because you are experiencing depression and isolation or you are enjoying some of the change that has happened that you are without God. God is very much with us and for us no matter where we are. And the greatest days are when we catch glimpses of that. As Mr. Tumnus says, you will see him again. We will see Christ again. Maybe not in the way that we hope or the way that we yearn for. I think one of the most powerful things when the children emerge at the end of the book from the wardrobe and they come back into their reality, one of the most important things is that they share their story with the professor. And the professor in the story says, no, I don't think it's going to be any good for you trying to get back in through the wardrobe. But I think this is only the beginning of your adventures in Narnia. And for us, things may not be the same when we come back. It may not be the land of the wardrobe that we had enjoyed and that we hoped, but our adventures in the kingdom of God will never stop. They will never cease. We will continue to be a people who experience God in new ways, who share the love of Jesus Christ and the gratitude for grace unparalleled. And there is nothing that can stop us. There is no isolation, no quarantine. There is no edict, there is no issuing law, there is nothing that can stop that truth. And that is the hope that holds us together. This past week when I got the message from RIP Medical Debt Relief that the numbers were just so astronomical and incredible, I just found myself marveling. And we will have the opportunity to share with you the minutiae of the, of the details that they shared with us when we have all of that compiled for you. But I was amazed to go through and see almost every county in Virginia impacted 
by the gift of this body of Christ when it gathered to worship the annual celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you can see that something that we did months ago is going to be fruitful for people right now, and some of them in their darkest moments, people who were struggling and wondering if God was even aware of them, much less for them, people who are going to discover in the weeks ahead that not only is God with them and for them, but God was working for them even before this happened. That some Christians who gathered together to worship God, to praise the birth of Jesus Christ, and to celebrate that with their faithfulness in the form of giving are now able to set people free. I can't imagine what it will be like for them to open up their mail and to experience that their chains are truly gone. They are no longer slaves to their debt. They have no longer been overshadowed by the struggle to become financially solvent. But instead, that through a way and a, and a means by which they could never fathom, God has done something great for them. Is that not what C.S. Lewis was trying to tell us in the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? And is that not what the Bible tells us every single time we read it? We are those that are living gospel. We continue to tell the world that Christ is very much here and with us and that Christ is for us. And so therefore, we will be for you. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. In a moment, we will encourage you to worship the Lord with your tithes and your offerings. Uh, this is the time in uh, both of our worship services where we would be passing our offering baskets and entering into a very meditative time. It's also a time on this, the first Sunday of the month, when we would be preparing to receive Holy Communion. And I know that for so many of us, this presents an incredible void in our faith life. In the United Methodist Church, we do not believe that the sacrament, sacraments are necessary or required for us to have salvation. We do not believe that you must be baptized. We do not believe that you must take communion. We believe that they are gifts from God, a means of grace by which we truly do experience outwardly, tangibly, and visibly the inward grace of Jesus Christ. And for those of us that have experienced them, to not have them is truly a tragedy. But we do not partake in them as online communion, if you've heard of such a thing. That is something that comes from a different denomination, a denomination does, that does not have sacraments but ordinances. In the United Methodist Church, we believe that when we pray and ask God to pour out the Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on the gifts of bread and wine, that there is transformation. And so, therefore, having you purchase elements and, and eat them by yourselves at home would not accomplish the sacrament. Communion is truly about communion, being in community with Christ and with others, forgiving not only one another, but being forgiven as the body of Christ. And so that is something that we yearn for and we look for. It is a good and right and joyful thing to take communion together. And when we are able, we shall. But right now we recognize that we can't, and it makes us sad. For some of us, it even brings out an anger and that's okay. We recognize that, and there is room for that. There is no way that we could tell people to just joyfully abide without these things. But one thing that never stops, that even when I go to visit people who are intubated or people who can no longer swallow and cannot receive food or drink by mouth, 
we can still have the greatest gift of communion, and that is God's forgiveness and God's grace. And so while we are not able to take those elements together and experience that, I will offer one of the things that I do at our contemporary worship service, which is a prayer of pardon and forgiveness. And so I invite you to pray with me at this time. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we come to you from many places but one heart. We come to you and we acknowledge that we have not been perfect people or faithful disciples, that there have been times where we have broken your law and we have broken your heart, where we have rebelled, we have strayed from your will in order to actualize our own. And we mourn when we have said and done things that have hurt you and others. You ask us to be part of the balm of Gilead. You call upon us to be vessels of kindness and mercy. And often, love and compassion have not been enlivened in our forms. Forgive us, Lord, we pray. Forgive us as individual persons, but also as the body, the church, that ultimately all of us will go on to perfection, encouraged by those in our midst who are faithful, who continue to be lights in the darkness, that ultimately all of us, through your grace and through the movement of the Holy Spirit, can experience not only forgiveness, but reconciliation. May the words of the Apostle Paul ring true for us, that we have endurance and character and hope because of you. May we become a people redeemed, reconciled, and willing to share that incredible gift with others. Lead us through this time of separation, that when we gather together once more and we can feast at your table, we will be reminded that you have been with us every step of the way, that you have not forsaken us, but you have come to us to heal and to forgive. Thank you for your gift of grace, for your love, your presence, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and your willingness to stand beside us even when we are weighed down by guilt and sin. Thank you, Almighty God, for a gift of grace that is unparalleled, that is filled with your love and your desire to bring us into your home, eternal in the heavens, and feast at your heavenly table for all time. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. And so as we continue with our worship, we look forward to singing together hymn number 298, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
so much for joining us in worship, and we hope and pray that it has been a blessing to you. And we look forward to seeing you again soon and whatever means Christ provides to link us together. May we be united in our prayer, our giving, and our sharing, not only the good, but in our desire to be with others and show them that they too are known, loved, and forgiven. May you receive this blessing as you return to your space and your sphere your place where Christ is very much with you and for you. May others experience you in new ways, but ways that are impactful and transformative and speak the gospel truth. Christ is with us and for us. Go back into your life to be reminded and to be a reminder. Go forth in peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Have a wonderful day. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.